Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Just for the benefit of any who weren't able to be here last night, these three chairs represent your spirit and my jacket here, the fact that in your spirit, God has given you his spirit, Christ in you, and he's put his kingdom within you so that he can rule and reign in your life and through your life. And this chair represents your soul life, your natural life. And Jesus says, there's nothing good about you in the natural. There is no one that is good except God alone. And God has put his goodness into us by his spirit, into our spirits. The spirit is the deepest, innermost part of your being. And God's purpose is for his goodness, his life, his love, his power, his holiness, his righteousness, everything that he is to impact our soul life, our natural life. So we keep our soul life submitted to him, surrendered to him under the anointing of his spirit and his presence within us so that his life can flow from heaven into our spirit because God, all, all communication with God is directly through your spirit, not through your soul, not through your body, but through your spirit. God is spirit, therefore he communicates through your spirit. So he wants his life, his love, his power continually to be poured out from heaven into our spirits. Then it's for us to keep in that place of submission, surrender to him, so that that life can be expressed in our lives and in what we do with our bodies, so that what we say and what we do is the outworking of the will of God. We don't have to force God or persuade God to give us what he's already given. And because we are people that are born again and filled with the Spirit, we have his Spirit in our spirits. Christ is in us according to the word of God. Jesus says that he has put his spirit, his, his kingdom within us. And his kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. So we have all the riches and resources of God, as we saw last night. If you weren't able to be here last night, you can download the message and, and hear the whole thing. It was wonderful, because the truth is wonderful, absolutely wonderful. So God wants us to move on from there to the next stage, if you like, of seeing how the life he has given us in the spirit can be expressed in our lives day by day. So let's turn to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Those of us who were here this morning, we saw that 
this whole process can only happen through the Holy Spirit. So we are completely dependent upon the Spirit. And what, what matters in this is your self-life, your natural life, that you are living, submitted to, surrendered to, under the constant influence and anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's God's purpose for you. And because he has given you his spirit, he has made that possible. So the spirit will only be revealed in your life in as much as you are submitted to his life. Now, <clears throat> Paul says some important things uh, about this whole process here in the letter to Philippians. If we begin with chapter 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. You know, people often begin to serve the Lord, begin to do things that God wants them to do, but they don't always complete what they start. They begin to put their faith and trust in God in a particular way, but if they don't see things working out in the way that they think they ought to as quickly as they want, then they often give up, which means that they weren't really in a place of faith to begin with. But God, when he starts something, he finishes it. And so that's an important truth for us to understand that he has come to live in us our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the person of God. He's just as much a person as the Father, just as much a person as Jesus. He is the counselor that is exactly like Jesus, that he promised would be poured into the lives of his disciples when he returned to heaven. So we have this person of God living in us. And his desire is really to take over in our soul life. But he will never force himself upon us. He will never force that. It's always for us to want his life, to want his love, to want his presence and his power to be revealed in us as the people that we are, and in the things that we say and do with our bodies. So the more we are surrendered to him, the more of that sanctification that we talked about last night, that holiness to, will be revealed in our lives. And God has begun that process in us, and he will bring it to completion. All we have to do is to remain in that place of submission and surrender to him, continuing to desire his best in our lives. He will do what he wants to do when we want him to do what he wants to do. But he will never go against our will. 
He will never force us. We have to desire what he wants and then we can actually express in our lives what he wants. So he is ready to bring this whole process that he has begun. He, he is ready to bring it to completion. We want that to happen. Now, at least I want it to happen in my life. I can't speak for you. That is a lifelong process. It's not, you can never say, I've arrived and I now reveal the life of Christ in me perfectly. Sadly, we don't live in that perfection. We have his perfection, as we know, we have his perfection in our spirit, but because the soul so often wants to be in control, wants to be in charge, we want what we want, we don't reflect that life perfectly. But the more we are surrendered, we're consecrated to his will and to his purposes, the more he can take over in our lives. And you see, that's the, that's the thing that is a bit scary for some people. Do they really want Jesus to fulfill his will in their lives? Because his will is for us to be transformed into his likeness. So the question we all have to face is, do I want to be like Jesus? Because that's God's will for every child of God. He came to reveal the Father so that we can be like the Father. We can be like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is exactly like him, exactly like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit lives in us to enable us to increasingly become more and more like Jesus. Despite our weaknesses, despite our failures, despite the fact that in and of ourselves we are nothing and we can do nothing to please God. You can do absolutely nothing to please God except <coughs> let his spirit work in you and through you. Everything that pleases the Lord is the work of the spirit within you. The natural works of the soul may be very good, but they are not eternal. And they do not bear fruit that will last. But the goodness of God, as we saw yesterday, is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to impact every part of our lives. And we've seen, therefore, you can have soulish faith, where you are trying to get God to do what you want. Or you can have spiritual faith because you are submitted to God. You are praying for what he wants. And the spirit, you see, will anoint the prayer for what he wants, but he will not anoint the prayer for what you want until your will is lined up with his will. When your will is lined up with his will, then there's no problem because what you want is what the Holy Spirit wants, what Jesus wants what the Father wants. So it's all a question of us living, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God in order that in due course he may lift us up. 
Jesus, we saw, lived like this. Even Jesus, he, he lived with his soul life completely, perfectly surrendered to the Spirit. He made himself, his self-life, nothing, the Scripture says. He emptied himself of all the divine glory that he had in heaven and humbled himself and lived under the authority and the will of his father. So he said, I speak no words of my own, no soulish words, only the words my father gives me to speak. I do no works of my own, no soulish works, only the works that I see my father doing. That's the life of perfect surrender, and God wants us to come more and more into line with his will. So he's begun that process in us. And all the time he's wanting to continue. He, he's, he's really wanting to speed up that process. He doesn't want the soulish, selfish, proud, self-centered things of the soul to get in the way of his purpose. That's why, as, as we've seen already this week, God's purpose is for us to lose a soul. Jesus said, we must lose a soul, lose the soul life. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist because you wouldn't exist if you didn't have a soul life. But you lose your soul life to the spirit. So the spirit really takes over in your soul life as much as is possible. So this is the process that God has begun. He wants us to cooperate with him. We have to desire more and more of this process to happen and cooperate with him to allow it to happen. So if you look at verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from God, from, through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Can you see what Paul's doing there? This is his prayer. He's praying that this life of the Spirit, more and more of the love, will be expressed in your life, in your soul life, He's praying that you will have knowledge and depth of insight because the Holy Spirit brings revelation of the will and purpose of God to us so that we can then know what it is God wants and we can allow the Spirit to enable that to happen in our lives. It's not that we try to do it in our own strength, in our soulish strength, in our natural strength, but we cooperate in allowing the Spirit to work in us in the way that he desires. And this life is, is the pure, is the holy, is the blameless life of, of, of God in us, Christ in us, the Holy Spirit within us. So the more we allow this whole process to happen, the more we will be filled in our natural lives, in our soul lives, in the people that we are, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, who lives within us. 
Can you see? This is what Paul is actually praying for in the lives of, of, um, of the Philippians, of, of the church. Paul understands that this is always the will and the purpose of God. So if you look at chapter 2, verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Right, now, he doesn't say become united. He, he is saying you are united with Christ. You're united with Christ because he lives in you. Amen? The secret of the Christian life is this, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, just to know, to believe that your life is united with Christ should give you encouragement. Because, you see, the truth is this. You, neither you nor I, can live the Christian life. The only person that has ever lived the Christian life here on earth is Jesus. And the only one that can enable the life of a Christian as God understands that in his word, is the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. You can't do it. It has to be the Holy Spirit in us. This is why we need to build up that personal relationship with the Spirit, that dependence upon the Spirit, and know how to relate to the Spirit. And I'm going to be talking about that a little later. Let's just continue with what Paul is saying here in verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, it's not just that God loves you, it's that God has poured his love into your heart, into your innermost being, into your spirit. He has poured his love into you by the Holy Spirit. So it's a question of believing what God says he has done and accomplished for you already. You are united with Christ. He lives in your spirit. Amen. His love is there within you. So that makes it possible for that love to be expressed in your soul life and in your body and to flow out of you as rivers of living water. Not your love, not your human love, not your soul love but the love of the Spirit, the agape love of God, which is expressed in giving, in serving, in blessing, in being concerned for others rather than yourself. That's the nature of agape love. So if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, Fellowship is the sharing of life. He says the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within you to enable you to live the life that God is wanting you to live, to enable you to live the Christian life, this should encourage you that God is not expecting you to do it. He's expecting his Spirit to do it in you and through you. That's freedom. When you, once you understand that, this is why Paul says, it's not I but Christ in me. You know, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's what he will do in me and through me that will bring blessing to other people, will bring glory to God, and will enable the fulfillment of his will for my life or for your life. 
Are we there? Okay, so if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort, strength, comfort in, in, in Scripture is to be strengthened, strengthened by his love that is within you. If any fellowship, sharing your life with the, with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be talking about that in a little while, so just be patient, and we'll see how we are to live in fellowship with the Spirit. Okay, if any tenderness and compassion. Now, in your natural life, there can be a lot of harshness, there can be a lot of legalism, there can be a lot of all kinds of things that are counterproductive to the will and the purpose of God. But what kind of a heart did Jesus say, say he had? A humble and gentle heart. So the Christ in you has a humble and gentle heart. And the more the heart of Christ is allowed to impact our soul life, our natural life, the more of that humility and of that gentleness is expressed in us. I mean, just think for a moment. If we try to do things in our own strength, anything in our own strength, when at the same time we have the life the love and the power of Christ within us. For a start, that would be stupid, but it would also be very proud. Because what it in fact says is, I can do this. I don't need to depend upon Christ in me. I don't need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. So we've seen that, you know, so much prayer is, is, is often soulish prayer. It's not prayer in the spirit, yet the scripture says pray at all times in the spirit. That doesn't mean you pray in tongues all the time. It means you pray in dependence upon the spirit, that the spirit is giving you the prayer. If the spirit isn't giving you the prayer, then you're not praying in the spirit. Can you understand that? And the scripture says, pray at all times in the spirit. So the spirit tells us what to pray. He, he, he tells us what to believe and he enables that prayer. And of course, if the spirit is initiating our prayer, it's going to be answered. But if we initiate prayer with our souls, it probably won't be answered. Because God only promises to answer the prayer of faith. You will receive whatever you uh, whatever you ask in prayer, if you believe. But that's not soulish faith, trying to get God to do what we want. It's understanding that he will do in us and through us what he wants. And the place of prayer is to pray his will into being. What he is wanting to do about what, in whatever situation uh, it is that we're we're concerned to pray about. So then, if you have any tenderness, any gentleness, any of the compassion of Jesus, if you're encouraged by knowing that tenderness, that compassion, that gentleness, that humility is there within you, in your spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And students were seeing this morning how 
the whole business of holiness is not just between you and God. It's between you, God, and your relationships with others. That holiness affects the way in which we relate to others. That if we don't love those who we do see, we cannot love God who we do not see. So actually our relationship with others, the amount of his holy love and, and so on that is being expressed in our relationship with others shows us where we really are in terms of our relationship with God. So then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Now, you see, God, God is going to work out his purposes through the body, isn't he? Not just through individuals, but through his body. He is the head of the body, so he gives direction to the body. The, the parts of the body don't tell the head what to do. Right? If you want to lift your arm, an instruction happens in your head and you're able to lift your arm. If, if that line of communication is not healthy, then your arm is paralyzed, even if you want to lift it. The head has to actually be involved in the operation of your body. Amen? So all the time, you see, that helps us to understand that in the body of Christ, all the, all the members of that body have to be in relationship with God and he is wanting to give direction to the whole body. Now, what Paul is saying here is, you see, if, if I am surrendered to the Spirit in the way that God intends and you are surrendered to the Spirit in the way that he intends, we will be of like mind. The Holy Spirit will be leading us in unity. The Lord will be leading us together as a body in the way that he wants us to go. You won't have people doing things independently. You won't have people thinking, well, it's, it's all right for all the other people in the church to be doing this and this and this, but I'm going to do something different. No, no, there'll be none of that. Because independence, remember, is the worst sin in the Bible. Amen? It was Adam's independence that caused the fall to take place when he took that bite out of the apple. That was the first act of deliberate independence from the will and the purpose of God. So, you know, he got thrown out of the garden for that. So that's what God thinks of independence. Any believers here tonight? Okay. So, <clears throat> if we are all submitted to the Spirit, we will be of like mind. There will be unity. And that's what Jesus prayed for before he went to the cross. Father, may they be one so that the world will know that you have sent me and that you love them even as you love me. He knew that what the Holy Spirit would do would be to create that unity among the disciples. A unity actually that they didn't really have even when they were with Jesus as he walked in his, in his human body. He knew that the Holy Spirit would bring them into a unity that they didn't have when they were just serving him with the soul, but without the Spirit living in them. Because the Spirit didn't come to live in them till Pentecost. Amen? So, uh, then 
Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Hallelujah. This is why, you see, if people are surrendered to the spirit, they're not going to get up and leave a church just because they get upset about something. I mean, that's crazy. Why? Because God has united them in one spirit and in one purpose. He's actually brought us into covenant with him and covenant with one another. And it's never for us to break covenant. Different when God sends people out with the blessing of the church because of his call upon their lives. But that's something that the Holy Spirit makes clear to the whole body, not just to an individual. So do nothing, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is your self-life, your soul life, right? It can be very ambitious. It can be very, very ambitious. You can want what you want. Never mind anybody else. Never mind what is going on in the body. Never mind what God wants. I want God to do in my life what I want. See, that's soul. It's not spirit. Amen? You see, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, how Jesus surrendered his will to the will of the Father. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not my will, but your will be done. Your human will is here in your soul life. God's will is here in the spirit because Christ is in you. The will of God is within you. So it's a question, you see, of whether you are going to be submitted to his will in you or whether you're going to hold on to your will for yourself. Amen. God will never force you to make a decision that he wants It has to be your choice. Therefore, it has to be our choice to keep our wills surrendered to his will. What happens, you see, in the majority of Christians is they may be surrendered in some ways to the will of God, but in other ways they're holding on to their will because of their own soulish desires and they want to retain and maintain control to a certain extent. They don't really want to surrender wholeheartedly to God. So that restricts what he can do in in our lives. Can you see that if we were surrendered to him in the perfect way that Jesus was, there would be absolutely no restrictions to what God could do in us and through us. The The only one who limits God in your life is you. Nobody else can limit him can limit his life in you. You can't blame anybody else. Uh You actually determine how much of the life, of the love, of the power, of the presence of God is revealed in your life. It's entirely, entirely your responsibility. Amen? So the only way to see more of him is to be more fully surrendered to him more fully submitted to him. That's all you can do. Lose your soul so that the spirit of God 
can impact your life in the way that God intends. Are we all breathing? Okay, so do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others better than yourself. Why? Because, you see, you're no longer exalting your self-life. You're no longer looking at others with critical attitudes. We were talking about that earlier in the week, weren't we? About how, because here you have your mind, your emotions, and your will, all part of your soul life, how the enemy attacks from outside. The enemy can't work from within you. Because in your spirit, there is the spirit of Christ, there is the Holy Spirit, there is the life of the kingdom. And this is why the scripture says, if we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he will flee. Because the devil has got no answer to the spirit, to Christ, to the, to the life and authority and power of the kingdom. But what he does is he attacks the soul and he attacks the body from without. The enemy attacks from without. And he tries to attack our minds to get us to, to think critically and, and uh, jealously and, and proudly and lustfully and whatever, whatever, whatever is contrary to the will and the purpose of God. He sows all these wrong thoughts even, even when you're praying. He can do that. You know, every thought that you have when you pray doesn't come from, from uh, God because the enemy can be most active when you're praying to try to disrupt and to lead you away from the purpose of God. And we have to take that shield of faith. I can't go all through it again as, uh, as, as I did earlier in the week. But if you get the recordings, you can, you can hear how we are to resist uh, the, the, the way in which the enemy attacks the soul life and attacks our bodies to try to dis- distract us from submitting everything to the life of the spirit within us. Are you breathing? So each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. So if this love that is, is in the spirit in your spirit, the love of God, the love that he has poured into you by the Holy Spirit, then here, you see, this love will be concerned about others. You will be not selfish in your attitudes, but you will be concerned about the interest of others, and you will consider others better than yourself. You see, the pride of man causes people to look at others and judge them and condemn them because in some way you think you're better than they are. But when you realize there's nothing good about me in the natural, that all the goodness comes from God, there's nothing I can do to please God in the natural. The only way I can please him is to allow the Spirit of God to impact my life and to work through my life in the way that he desires. You understand this? You know, we've seen, you don't have to be a Christian to do good things with your soul, but none of those things last. They're not the, they're not the fruit that will last. That can only come 
by the gift of the Holy Spirit, through the activity of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you go down to verse 13, this is, this is absolutely key. Chapter 2, verse 13. This is key to understanding how this whole process is going to be outworked in your life. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. Underline it, highlight it, memorize it, do whatever, but never lose sight of this truth. It is absolute gold dust, this verse. It is God who works in you. And as you allow him to work in you, because of the way in which you submit and surrender your life to him, because he works in you, he will cause you, first of all, to will, to want what he wants. That's the first thing the Spirit does. He, he impacts your will. Now, I've said he won't force you. He will never take over your will, but he will so work in you as to cause you to want what he wants. When Paul is writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's saying a similar thing when he says, the love of God compels us. Now, he doesn't mean that the love of God makes us do what God wants him to do, but it's just that the love of God has such an impact upon us that we feel compelled to act, to actually do what it is he is wanting in order to express that love in whatever ways he is leading us to whoever he wants us to express that love for. The love of God compels us. This is, this is the same thought. He works in you to cause you to will and then to do his good purpose. It's all the work of God in you. As Paul says, not I, but Christ. And um, years ago when, when I was writing Anything You Ask, which I think was written over 30 years ago now, um, probably more than that. But uh, I can remember so talking about this and, and uh, just making it very, very clear because, you know, I'm a simple sort of guy and so God teaches me in simple ways so that I can then teach others in simple ways. And, and uh, the, the way he expressed it to me is, is simply this, right? Here is Christ in me and this is my natural life. So he says, right, who's going to do it? You or me? If you do it, I won't. But if you don't do it, I will. Now you see, I can understand that. What most of us want is, well, Lord, let's come to an agreement. I do a bit and you do a bit. He says, no, nothing doing. Either you do it or I'll do it. Now, he needs our cooperation so that he can do it through us. But you see, this, this, this is the essence of the Christian life. 
You cannot live the Christian life for God. There's nothing you can do to please God. Only thing you can do to please God is to live in surrender to him so that he can cause you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. It's freedom. I don't have to do it. I just have to let him do it. It doesn't mean I will be inactive. I will be very busy because the Holy Spirit is going to keep me busy. He's going to keep you busy. He's got no time for layabouts. I mean, he's got no time for these super spiritual people that are all words and do nothing. Because super spiritual people don't bear fruit. But truly spiritual people do. I call them the super spits. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Now, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So he does it in you. I mean, that's freedom. Isn't it freedom to know, oh, thank the Lord I don't have to do it. He will do it in me. He will do it through me. All I've got to do is surrender to him, cooperate with him, and let him do it. Hallelujah. You know, I've said to you before, I can't preach, I really can't preach, but Christ can speak through me. In the natural, I was hopeless at preaching. But once I'd surrendered my preaching to the Lord, he would then speak through me. Just for me, that was a dramatic transformation that actually transformed the church where I was at that time. That was before I went to Luton. So then we go on to the next verse, 14. Do everything without complaining. Did you know that was in the scriptures? (laughs) Do you realize that's a command? You see, the point is this. If you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit and it's the Holy Spirit that's working in you and through you, what is there to complain about? You're not going to complain about what the Spirit is doing. But if you're complaining, obviously at that point, you're not living in submission to the Spirit. Hello. I mean, you know, God God knows all your weaknesses and failures and everything about you, doesn't he? But he never complains about you. I mean, you know, I'm sort of responsible pastorally for you guys, you students. But, you know, when I'm praying, God doesn't say, oh, you know, I'm fed up with so-and-so and and I've had enough of so-and-so and and do you know what this one's doing and do you know what that one's doing? (laughs) He never complains about you. One or two other people around here may sometimes, but he never, (laughs) he never complains about you. Amen? Because, you see, complaining is negative. It accomplishes nothing. What God does is bring correction. He doesn't complain. He brings correction. He disciplines those he loves and brings correction into their lives. That's positive, to bring correction, isn't it? So do everything without complaining or arguing. Listen. 
If you start arguing with the Holy Spirit, you will never win. You argue with God, you will never win. Lots of people argue with God, but they never win. He wins every argument. Amen? Because he is the truth. So do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Well, if Paul's generation was crooked and depraved, come and join the modern world, Paul, because it's just as crooked and just as depraved. And there's evidence of that all around us. But we are to shine as lights. As we saw yesterday, the sweet perfume of Christ is to be expressed in our lives in the midst of all the darkness and all the corruption and all the stuff of the world around us. So, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Not our own counsel, not our own wisdom, not our own ideas, not our own opinions. You know, God doesn't care a fig for your opinions. Not a fig. <laughs> you know, we, some years ago we produced uh, what was called the Kingdom Faith Teaching Course. It was a series of cassettes that lasted 18 months. Uh, each cassette, there was a message for um, the week. And with the, with the message, there was a... Um, a, a paper teaching with various questions and so on to ask. It was designed to be used by groups. And we sent this out entirely free. And uh, at one time we were sending it out to 6,000 groups every, every month. Entirely free. We just believed that God would supply. Because we're a faith ministry and, and he did. He always supplied for this. And it had a great effect upon many lives. But at the bottom of all the worksheets, there was this phrase. Your opinions count for nothing. All that matters is the word of God. Or something like that. And you see, what, what are your opinions? I mean, why should God take any notice of your opinions? It's part of the pride of man, isn't it, to think that our opinions matter. No, no, all that matters is God's word. What he says, what he thinks. Amen? Our opinions need to line up with his word. And then, really, they're not our opinions, they're his word. Hallelujah. Are you breathing still? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. That's a relief, isn't it? Let's go on to chapter 4. There's, there's so much more that we, we could do, we could look at. No, we'll, no, we'll go to chapter 3 first and verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. All, he, he does, he's saying that he doesn't, or, 
he knows that he doesn't express perfectly everything that God has put into his spirit or have already been made perfect in his soul life. But I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. So what he's saying is, I want to take hold of everything that God has put into my spirit in order, because this is why God took hold of me. He didn't take hold of me so I could live a soulish life, a selfish life, with my opinions, my ideas, my will, my purpose. But he took hold of me for his will, for his purpose, for his plans to be outworked in my life. So I want to take hold of everything for which he's taken hold of me. That's a pretty good prayer, isn't it? I mean, that's a prayer of the Spirit. It's not a soulish prayer. Okay. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. And what's the prize? The prize is not salvation. That's a gift. The prize is the reward that God gives to the faithful for what they have done. Remember, each man's work is going to be tested by fire on the day of judgment. All the works of the soul are the wood, hay, and stubble that will be burnt up. They will come to nothing. I mean the works that originate from self. But the works that will prevail through the fire will stand that, that judgment are the works of silver, gold, and precious stones. They're the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. They are the, they are the works that actually have eternity about them. Jesus talks about bearing the fruit that will last. The only fruit that will last in our lives is that which the Holy Spirit speaks through, works through us. Are we getting this? Yes. Hallelujah. Okay, now let's go on to chapter 4 and uh, verse 4. <clears throat> You're very familiar with this, but now you see the context in which Paul is talking about rejoicing always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, now... What does that mean? Just, just have a good jolly prayer time or worship time. No, 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 no. Because he's talking about always, not just when you are praying or when you are worshiping. So he's saying, here you are living your life day by day. You have the Lord within you. You have the Spirit of God. You have the presence of Christ. You have all the riches and resources of the kingdom. So rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord who is reigning in glory in heaven. Rejoice in the Lord who is living in you. Hmm? You see, you can't be submitted to him without rejoicing in him. When you submit to him, you rejoice in him. Because he's so great, he's so wonderful. See, so if you've stopped, you've heard me say many times, if you stop rejoicing, you are no longer walking by faith. The joy is the barometer of your faith. See, because faith is living in dependence upon him. The one who has imparted his life to you. So you are full of joy. You're rejoicing in the Lord always because you're living in dependence upon him. Always. He's not talking about worship. He's talking about your walk. He's talking about your daily life. 
So it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter if the world seems to be falling apart and, and, and all kinds of traumatic things are happening. You still rejoice in the Lord. You're not rejoicing in the circumstances, but you're rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of the circumstances because the Lord is greater than the circumstances. And if you're operating by faith, you're going to believe that he will sort out the circumstances or he will enable you to overcome the circumstances. You won't overcome them in your own strength, but he working in you and through you will enable you. Look, this is a good message. I know this is a good message because I know it's the truth. Amen? <laughs> this is the story of my life. Praise God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Because if you're not rejoicing, you're not believing. It really is as simple as that. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The gentleness, see, of Jesus Christ in you. You're rejoicing in him, so is gentleness. Even in the midst of whatever is happening. Praise God. Because it's not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That means not by your soulish might or power, but by the Spirit. So the Lord is near. I mean, he's so near, he's in you. Huh? So, so. Do not be anxious about anything. That's another command. You see, if you are anxious here, that's a soulish thing, right? What does that actually say? Because Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount, do not worry about anything. John Wesley said that's the command every Christian disobeys. But actually, God intends us to obey it. Don't worry about anything. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because if you're anxious and worried, you've forgotten him. You're not trusting in him. How can you trust in Jesus and be worried. You say, well, it's natural to be worried. Yes, but God, this is the whole point. God has given us his supernatural, his spiritual life so that we are not limited by the natural. Everybody else in the world can live a natural life, but not Christians. We're called to live a spiritual life. And let me tell you something about God. He never worries. He is never anxious. You know, he might see you messing up, making all kinds of wrong decisions, doing something that is really alien to his will and purpose, and he's still not worried. He's not worried. 
because he knows I'll get you. <laughs> you see, it's like, it's like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, yeah? The father wasn't worried, he was just waiting. He was just looking down the road every day, he was looking down the road. When's he coming back? See, then he saw him coming back and he ran to meet him. He wasn't worried. He knew he'll be back. You see, if you're his and you do wander from his will and purpose, you'll be back. I pray every day for backsliders to come back to the Lord. Because uh-huh. backsliders are my brothers and sisters and they're missing out on all the riches of Jesus. They've lost sight of the truth. I want to see them restored to the truth, don't you? So I pray for them every day. I thank the Lord that today and every day backsliders will come back to you and once again you'll be glorified in their lives. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, do not be anxious about anything. So, no to the negative. But yes to the positive. Look what he goes on to say. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Why? Because if there's no thanksgiving, there's no faith. Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If you believe you've received it, then what do you do? Well, when you receive anything, you say thank you. So if you're not praying with thanksgiving, you're not praying with faith. Remember Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead, stood before the tomb, looked up to heaven. He would have lifted up his arms like this in the Jewish manner. He said, Father, thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. You know, when I was a very young Christian, a young young lad, the Lord taught me that is the way always to pray. That no matter what you have prayed, always end like that. Father, thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. And John says in his first epistle, if we know that he hears us, we know that we have received from him whatever we ask. As I said earlier, we're not asking in selfish, soulish ways for our own ends, but for the will and the purpose of God to be outworked in our lives and in the, other, in the lives of others for whom we pray. And then you see when we, when we are acting like this in our, with our dependence upon the Spirit within us, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. The, pe- the peace of God is here in your spirit, right? Your understanding is part of your soul life. See, the peace of God Look at what it says. The peace of God which transcends 
all your human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's great, isn't it? So, you see, if, if we obey the scripture which says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, then we'll do verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Where are all those things? They're in your spirit. Spirit in you, Christ in you, kingdom within you. So you set your mind, you bring your mind under the authority and the dominion of the Holy Spirit. And you don't allow your mind to focus on selfish or ungodly desires, thoughts. Don't listen to those lies the enemy wants to sow into your mind to try to distract you from the purpose of God. So think about such things. and Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, he's saying, look, I've been, I've been showing you how you are to rejoice in the Lord, to depend upon the Lord, to, to let him will and to work in you his good purpose. So you've, you've received all this from me, Paul's saying, so put it into practice. Because hearing the word does not bear the fruit. Only doing the word produces the fruit. So, God's thought of everything. He's provided everything for us to be able to walk as the children of God in complete freedom. But of course, as we've been seeing this week, this is evidence that God wants the very best for us because of his love for us. When you love people, you want the best for them, don't you? And out of his love for us, he wants the best for us. But remember that whatever he is working in you is not just for you. It's for the lives of all the others whose lives will be impacted, influenced by you, by the things you say and the things you do. That's the fruit God works in you in order that then the Holy Spirit may produce fruit through you. And what glorifies God is not just what he does in us, but the fruit that is produced because we put the revelation of his truth into practice. Right now, just finish I said earlier, we come back to, okay, this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he, he says what, 
uh, is, is often called uh, the grace, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. That is a, actually a dynamic verse. It's, it, it's not there in the Bible so that you know it's the end of the service and you can say amen and go home, which is what happens in many churches. No, no, no. This is, this is a profound truth that the love of God the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? If I live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I share his life and he shares my life. He shares my life by living in me. I share my life by submitting my life to his life. Now what does that look like in practice? I can call upon him at any moment in any day. Lord, what do I say? Lord, what do I do? No matter what situation you're in, Holy Spirit, just give me the words to speak. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, enable me to make the right decision now. See, all the time you're just living in this relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you don't consciously do that, you will instead just make soulish decisions. You will do what you think is best instead of Holy Spirit. What are you saying? Holy Spirit, give me, give, give me your love for this person. Holy Spirit, give me discernment as to what's really going on in this situation. Holy Spirit, what spirit is operating here? Because it doesn't seem it's the Holy Spirit. See, the discerning of spirits is part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, aren't they? So you, you're using... You know, Holy Spirit, give me a word of wisdom now. Holy Spirit, give me a word of knowledge. I need to understand in this situation. Holy Spirit, I just feel totally out of my depth. I just don't know what to do. You, it's over to you. It's over to you. You just show me what to do. It's fellowship. fellowship it's not it's not a question of saying well I have the anointing so I'm just trusting God that I he's going to cause me to do this 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 and this see I would never preach to you without dependence on the Holy Spirit I mean I was I was standing up there at the beginning and I was saying saying to the Lord Lord I've got absolutely nothing to say tonight I'm, I'm willing not even to speak if you don't want me to speak. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to say. I was reading through some of Philippians earlier because I sensed that, you know, God was going to use this tonight. But uh, I hadn't formed a message. I didn't really know how. But 
If you trust the Holy Spirit, he will never fail you. He will never fail you. He'll never let you have egg on your face, you know. He'll, he'll, never, he'll never allow you to be put to shame. He really won't. And when, you know, when it comes, if, if you need to, to pray for someone to be healed, you don't have to do it. See, it's the Holy Spirit in you and through you, isn't it? Holy Spirit, just come now. Just use me as a channel of your grace and of your power. You're deferring to him all the time. I think Jesus deferred to the Father all the time like this, you see. Don't you? I mean, if he spoke no words of his own, only the words of his Father, give me to speak, he must have been saying, Father, what should I say now? Father, what, what do I do now? Because I'll only do what I see you doing. <laughs> Fellowship. He lived in such fellowship with the Father that he could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father also. The Father and I are one. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? He lived in fellowship. See, And God is calling us to live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's why I was saying to you yesterday, you need to build a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as personal as the Father, just as personal as... as um, as Jesus. Those of you that have studied John's Gospel, I've explained to you that John had to break all the rules of Greek grammar because uh, the word for spirit in Greek is pneuma, and that's a neuter word. So the, the pronoun that should go with a neuter word is it. And sometimes, out of ignorance, you hear Christians refer to the Holy Spirit as it. But when he's talking about the Holy Spirit at the, at the Last Supper, John always refers to the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, as he. So he's actually breaking all the rules of Greek grammar. He's calling a neuter word personal. Because the Holy Spirit is personal. Hallelujah. So get to know him. And trust him, have fellowship with him every day, even when you're on holiday. You're never on holiday with the Holy Spirit, he goes with you. Amen? He's still there, he's still within you. So don't forget me. Amen? But let me tell you this all soulishness hinders your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When we become determined to do what we want and have our way and trust in ourselves, we actually hinder the building of that fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So it's a very practical thing. It's like, you know, in, in your relationship with other people, if you do things that offend them, okay, you can still have the relationship because there can be forgiveness and whatnot. But while there is that offense there, it damages the relationship. 
until there is forgiveness and restoration. See? It's like that with the Holy Spirit. If we're doing things to offend him, it's going to affect our fellowship, affect our ability to really hear and be open channels of his life and of his grace and power. So, you know, and we were praying at the beginning, we were calling on the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, you never want to worship without the Holy Spirit, do you? Because we're told to pray at all times in the Spirit. And uh, Jesus says that the Father is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. Everything is to be done in the Spirit, you see. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Worship in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to thank the Lord. Is that a good way to start? It's always a good way to start, isn't it? Come on, let's thank the Lord. And I believe he wants us to focus particularly on the Holy Spirit tonight. I believe what God wants to do is a fresh release of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Is that all right? I believe, you know, he really wants, you know, if there's a fresh submission to the Spirit, there's going to be a fresh release of the Spirit. So first of all, let's thank God for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Popapara Santaria Letoba Kala Santaria Letoba. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for such a precious gift. Father Jesus, we thank you for the precious gift of your spirit. O papara sandaria lero bakala sita di sandan. 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 O papara sandaria lero bakala sita di sandaria lero bakala sita di sandan. O papara zandaria lero bakala sita di sandan. O papara zandaria lero bakala sita di sandan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. O papara zandaria lero bakala sita di sandan. O papara zandaria lero bakala sita. O papara zandaria. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for the precious gift of your spirit. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank him that he has filled you with his spirit. You're born of his spirit, filled with his spirit. Come on, thank him for that. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you baptized me in your Holy Spirit. You immerse me in your Spirit. That your purpose was for your Spirit to infuse every part of my life with your life. And I thank you, Lord.
I thank you that my body is a temple of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that wherever I go, your spirit goes. Whatever situation I'm in, your spirit is present within me. Thank you, Lord, I'm never without him, that he doesn't come and go from my life. He doesn't step out of my life and step into my life. Thank you, Lord, that you do not withdraw your gift from me. He is a gift. He's not on loan. He is a gift. And I praise you and I bless you and I thank you, Lord. O paparazandari elero bakarasita di sanduma 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 Thank you thank you thank you Jesus Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's just be still for a moment. Because it may be that some of us need to put a few things right with God. That you want to say to him or you need to say to him. Lord, forgive me for all the times when I've trusted in myself rather than in you. When I've gone ahead and done things in my own strength without even any reference to you. Some of you may even need to say to the Lord, Lord, sometimes I've deliberately ignored your presence because I knew you wouldn't approve of what I was saying and doing. And I realized tonight that was a wrong heart attitude. It was soulish. It was sinful. And I thank you, you don't condemn me, but you forgive me. If there's any issues like that, come on, let's get them sorted tonight, eh? You may need to say, Lord, there's so many situations where I feel I failed. And I realized tonight that you allowed me to fail because I was trusting in myself and not in your spirit. So, Lord, I want to learn from my failures that it's always wise to trust in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And not to do anything independent. Independently of you.
Thank you, Lord, you don't condemn me, you don't judge me. But you forgive me. Maybe you realize there's a, an issue. Some of you have already been facing this issue this week, but there are others here tonight that haven't been here all week. And maybe that there is some. You realize there's actually a very profound decision that you've got to make in your life to choose to submit every aspect of your soul, of yourself to the Holy Spirit working in your spirit. So your soul will not dominate the spirit, but the spirit will dominate your soul life. If you're one who needs to make that decision, this is a good time to do that. And that decision is then, on a daily basis, renewed in our lives. Every day, we live in that submission. So. It would be a good thing, wouldn't it, to make a fresh submission of your heart, of your soul life, of your mind, your emotions, your will to the Holy Spirit. So talk to the Lord now. Humble yourself under his mighty hand in whatever way you need to. Tell him that you want to trust in the Holy Spirit. Thank him that he will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will always undertake for you if you trust in him. And you will be a channel of his life, of his love, of his power to others, as well as benefiting yourself. So thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And as you submit yourself to him, can you pray, Lord, give me the grace not to do things that offend your spirit? 
undermine my fellowship with the Spirit. Those things of the flesh, to say no to all the temptations of the enemy, all the lying, deceiving spirits that want to try to seduce me and lead me away from the purposes of God. I take the shield of faith against all those fiery darts of the evil one because I know my fight is not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual forces of wickedness that are at work in the world and in heavenly places. So I thank you, Lord, that as I submit myself to your spirit, your spirit is so much more powerful than all the spirits that could ever come against me. So I thank you that as I submit myself afresh to you, so you will lead me in your triumphant procession in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you thank the Lord? Lord, I, I realize tonight that fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the answer to all anxiety and worry. That if I live in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, I will not need to be anxious about anything. I will not need to worry about tomorrow. That as Jesus said, each day has enough cares of its own and the Holy Spirit will help me to deal with all those cares. With all the pressures, with all the things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis, he's always there for me. Always, always, always. Wanting me to lean on him, him. Wanting me to depend upon him. Wanting me to call upon him. Wanting me to use him. And not to ignore him. Thank you, Lord. That even if there are things that in the natural, in the past, would have caused me to anxious, be anxious, now I can cast all my cares upon the Lord. I don't have to carry the burden. And the Holy Spirit will enable me to overcome or Deal with the situation no matter what it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So just thank the Lord for his mercy, for his forgiveness. He's wiping the slate clean tonight. Hallelujah. Just remember what the blood does, purifies you, makes you blameless, makes you as acceptable in the eyes of the Father as Jesus himself, makes you perfect, makes you holy in his sight. Just let him wash you with the blood, wash away, cleanse out of your life all those past failures, all the past sins, all the past dependence upon yourself, all the, all the ways in which you ignored the Holy Spirit or just didn't call upon him, just did things in your own strength. Thank the Lord that all that's wiped clean out of your life tonight. Hallelujah. This is a new beginning. 
Hallelujah. This is... This is the beginning of a new chapter. A new chapter of dependence upon the Holy Spirit, of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, of sharing your life with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for your spirit. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now let's just lift our hands to the Lord. I want you to believe now that as you submit yourself afresh, so there's going to be a fresh release of the Holy Spirit. Not just a fresh experience now, but what you're going to see in the coming days and weeks is a fresh release of the Holy Spirit in your life. That you will be a channel of His grace, a channel of His love, a channel of His life, a channel of His power. Hallelujah. That, that, that life, that power of the Holy Spirit will flow through your body, through your, through your soul, through your body, out of you as rivers of living water. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for that fresh anointing. We thank you for fresh oil. We thank you, Lord, for the fresh impartation of your Spirit, the fresh release of your Holy Spirit through our lives. Thank you, Lord. We're going to see greater evidence of your Holy Spirit in us, greater evidence of your Holy Spirit working through us. And we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Ora sandaria leto bakala sandara basinama. O papara sandaria leto bakala sitri sandama. O papara sandaria leto bakala sitri sandama. O papara sandaria leto bakala sinama. O papara sandaria leto bakala sitri sandama. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you are going to enable me to do things that in the natural I could never do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will enable me to do the same works as Jesus and even greater things still as I trust in your word, trust in your presence, trust in your anointing, trust in your empowering. I praise you, Lord. I praise you. I will do the same things as Jesus. I will do greater things still because it's his word. Hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. I bless you, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri sandama O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri santo O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri sandama O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri sandama O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri sandama O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri sandaria lero bakala zinama O papara zandaria lero bakala zitri sandama O ratapari alero bakalasitri sandama O papara zandari alero bakalasitri sandama O papara zandari alero bakalasitri sandama Yes 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 Papara zandari alero bakalasitri sandara masinama O papara zandari alero bakalasitri sandama O papara zandari alero bakalasitri sandama O papara zandaria lero bakalasitri sandama. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to pray for the church. Remember what we were reading in the word earlier, that as we submit ourselves to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, so that fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
actually enables us to have fellowship with one another, to bring us into unity where we have we're one with our minds and attitudes in being surrendered to the will of God. Now we pray that for the whole body. Mm -hmm. That the whole body is going to move forward in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be preaching in, in, in the Horsham Church on Sunday morning. And, and God will want to gather in everybody in the body into what he's been doing during the course of this week. Not everybody is here or able to be here, but God, God wants this for the whole body, right? He wants the whole body to be living in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So it won't be the same message as tonight. God won't do it in the same way as he's doing tonight. But I'm believing that God's going to do it. Amen. He wants to bring us into a closer unity with one another because we have a closer unity with the Holy Spirit. Can you see how that works? How, how it works? So come on, let's pray that. Lord, we pray for all our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for all the other members of the body. We pray, Lord, that everyone will live in this dependence upon the Holy Spirit, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and that will produce a unity amongst us that will enable us to go forward in your purposes and see the breakout and the harvest of which you have spoken as being your purpose for this year. We thank you, Jesus. The where there is unity, you command the blessing. So we pray, Lord, that the whole body will come into a unity in the Holy Spirit. That we will be of one heart and one mind. Hallelujah. 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 We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 The same in Crawley, the same in Worthing, the same in Kingdom Faith Churches all over the nation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're moving forward as one body. Praise you, Jesus. 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 And Lord, we believe that there will be a fresh release of love in our lives and through the whole body, a fresh release of power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Less soulishness, more of the Spirit. Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, how can we finish tonight? Well, 
Rejoice in the Lord. Always, even now. Come on, let's rejoice in Him. Let's really rejoice in Him. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. 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 Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, Papa Razandari, a letter of Bacala, Hallelujah. Oh, isn't he good? Isn't he good? The joy of the Lord is your strength. See? The joy of the Lord. Not the joy of this, not the joy of the soul. <laughs> That comes and goes, but the joy of the Lord is always within you, in your spirit. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you. You've got this whole thing buttoned up, haven't you, Lord? I mean, you, you just know exactly how to lead us from where we are into where you want us to be. And we believe for the reviving power of your Holy Spirit to be at work amongst us and throughout the whole of kingdom faith. That we will be a blessing to this nation and to other nations. And we give you glory. We give you honor and praise. Come on, let's great big thank you to Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.